0: This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. Visit SmartGolfDeals.com for promotions and savings. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks.
1: Oh, hello there, Toronto. Golf Talk Canada, our first weekday edition of GTC. If you missed the announcement earlier this week, Golf Talk Canada, Tuesdays and Thursdays, coming at you noon to 2 p.m. ET, TSN 1050 in Toronto. If you're tuning in for Leaf's lunch, I apologize. But I can tell you I'm still angry about the high stick on Doug Gilmore from 93 to my cousins in Woodbridge who are listening. So there's some leaf talk for you. Bob, are you still angry about the high stick on Gilmore from 93?
2: I can't remember what I had for breakfast. I don't know. I can't remember anything back in '93.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes, well, it's good to be doing a little extra golf talk, and part of the reason the GTC is uh, picking up a few shows and going to kind of bring you through June into July as we wait for the return of NHL hockey and other sports that are announcing their return coming in the next couple of months. Part of the reason is golf is going to really be the first. One to officially return. We have seen a few charity matches. Uh, we saw the match. Uh, just a couple Sundays ago with Phil and Tiger and Manning and Brady, and everybody I think really enjoyed that. But it gets real and it gets real, Bob, in seven days with the Charles Schwab Challenge as the PGA Tour reboots. We're going to talk a lot about that today, but just off the top, I'm sitting here and I was kind of curious. I'm just kind of thinking about the world right now, and it's a little on edge with many different things. And sure, COVID. Still being at the forefront of a lot of this, and I'm wondering if we didn't have uh, golf production, a couple of golf productions behind us already. Do you think there might be more nerves and maybe a little bit kind of I don't know what to call it, maybe some some jittery feelings uh, as we await the return of golf? But now that we've had a couple and they and they seem to have come off very well, that that maybe some of that nervousness has turned more into just straight excitement.
2: Yeah, I've spent the last couple of days contacting a lot of different people who are going to be at Charles Schwab, and I think the the real sense is that they don't know what they don't know. So there's a sort of a sense of what's the unknown going to look like um, when we get out there. Uh, what's it going to feel like? But I think you're right. I think you know, having seen two events out there, we our expectations are uh, in in place. I guess you know, it's not may not be the perfect broadcast that we've been used to over the years it may be a little bit scaled down Um, it's going to look a little different with no fans obviously walking along the fairways but I think there's some confidence going forward everyone that I've talked to has said look I'm gonna I'm trusting that the PGA Tour has made the right decisions and is going to keep things safe uh, as as safe as they possibly can for when we get going here on uh, a week uh, week today
1: yeah, week today, and it's going to be uh, counting it down. It's going to feel like uh, maybe the longest seven days of the year for some of us as we wait uh, for <laughs> this tournament to finally kick off. We've got a great show lined up. Speaking of the Charles Schwab Challenge and speaking of the quality of what this field's going to look like, top five in the world already committed to the Charles Schwab Challenge. We have Mike Toth, Ontario's own Mike Toth, who now finds himself... <laughs> Uh, in Fort Worth uh, at Colonial as the tournament director of the Charles Schwab Challenge. He's joining uh, uh, Bob and I to talk a little bit about the challenges and what they've gone through and, and, and I guess the journey to get to where we are uh, for the reboot of the PGA Tour, because they will uh, lay the ground, uh, the groundwork, the blueprint on how the PGA Tour will return. So we're going to speak to Mike later on in the show. We've got winners, weird and what coming up for you. Lots to get to earlier in the week. If you're listening to Golf Talk Canada on Saturday, Bob Adam and I were chewing around the who is the golf's greatest. Uh, underachiever and this all stemmed from a tony jacklin interview uh, that he did with golf week magazine where tony jacklin proclaimed uh, sergio garcia as golf's greatest underachiever it got us thinking and talking so bob adam and i are going to break down who we think is golf's greater underachiever and let you know what our twitter world our twitter universe suggested if they, did they agree with tony jacklin what other names did they throw out there lots to get to but first let's get to some news and headlines
0: News and headlines are brought to you by the Mackenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada. Tomorrow stars today. Well, PGA Tour Canada,
1: we covered that last week. They have pulled the plug on PGA Tour Canada for the year, uh, border issues, etc. But... Um, there is some information coming on what ha- might happen to PGA Tour Canada Latino America as a makeshift feeder tour. Bob and I are going to talk a little bit about that in the following segment. But off the top, Bob, Annika Sornstam, three-time U.S. Women's Open champion named ambassador of the 75th uh, Women's U.S. Open, which will take place this December now in this new COVID schedule in in houston uh just another kind of accolade another uh star so to speak on the belt of Annika sorsem's a luxurious uh career and just like her legend grows i think in that role as you know potentially the greatest female player of all time
2: yeah i think this is this is very similar to uh to jack (laughs) nicholas at the at the u.s men's open or memorial whatever you want to say but i think having Annika there uh really represents a a a fitting honor, and I think she'll, she's, she's the hero to so many young golfers, uh, both male and female, obviously. But I think the, uh, I, th- I think in the LPGA Tour's history, there's not too many who were better than her. Certainly, uh, the only one to shoot 59, as we're going to hear from Mike Toth about playing a colonial. Um, you know, she's done so many marvelous things and has always been just a class act. So I think this is a perfect fit.
1: COVID. Tests will take the forefront next week as golf returns. PGA Tour is suggesting that they may test as many as 400 people a week on the PGA Tour, and results will be turned around in as short as two to four hours. They're also suggesting that people get tested uh, at home before they leave for their events. They're talking players, caddies, uh, officials, and some essential personnel All going to be tested. I'm, I have yet to be informed whether we will fall under that, uh, under this, uh, testing banner. I actually hope we do. And when I refer to we, I'm referring to the broadcast team on location, which will be, um, a thinner version of what the TV broadcast looks like, as well as my radio team. Uh, it's going to be very different, Bob, when I arrive at Detroit, which will be my first event, but this starts next week.
2: Well, that's right. And uh, most of the players, uh, I believe all the players and caddies have been sent a kit. to uh, It's a spit test kit. And um, they will do that at home. And in some cases, they're supposed to do it or they can do it on a Zoom call with a nurse who can guide them through it. And then they seal it and send that in. And that's their pre-tournament testing. And then they will get tested by uh, they're basically the PGA Tour is going to have a, a, a mobile van that's going to go from stop to stop and test players once and caddies and everyone else, as you mentioned, when they arrive there. Uh, results are supposed to be in two to four hours, so that's that's great because they can don't have to wait around a lot. But having this facility also means that they won't be taking away um, any resources from the local communities into which they're going as well.
1: You know, I see a real opportunity here for John Daly, Bob. He can just take his bus from town to town, park it in the Hooters, sell some T-shirts, do some COVID testing. This could be just in a whole new, a uh, whole new genre for John Daly to, to to flip a buck in.
2: That's right. Maybe he can come up with some uh, some some chatchka there, some t-shirts and hats and something, <laughs> long long ball COVID or something.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, and in closing, the news and headlines: uh, World Golf Rankings. Um, they're going to resume next week, and from what I can read and and how I understand this. Uh, it will resume uh, where they left off, and it will start immediately. And I believe that the European Tour wanted this to go a different way, Bob, and I'm guessing that is because a lot of their players are going to uh, not participate in the, in the early stages of the reboot of the PGA Tour, but they were looking, the European Tour was hoping for a different model.
2: Well, you're right, and and I don't I don't blame them one bit. I mean, here you have uh, a limited number of tournaments starting. Yes, they are big tournaments, but there are two tours starting. There's no European Tour, and none of the other tours are starting. And yet, you're going to award points to somebody, and those points can go a long way towards determining um, positions and you know entries into major championships or different events. So, it's uh, I think it's a significant um, move by the people who run the official world golf rankings and and a lot of people i think are rightfully uh rightfully upset about it i think you i don't know i don't know what the answer is that's the other problem it's great to say say that it's uh it's not great but i don't know what the actual solution is in terms of being able to um fix it and make it equitable for everybody but uh there's some smarter people than i am and i'm sure they could have come up with something better than this
1: yeah it was a bit of a head scratcher for me i, I... I, again, I don't have an answer, but maybe something that was maybe a little bit more fair on both sides of the pond might might have been the play. Now, we're going to do a special Golf Talk Canada next Wednesday. Typically, uh, again, if you missed it off the top of the show or you missed it this week on social media or on Golf Talk Canada, on the weekend, Golf Talk Canada is going to be Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays. Saturday, our usual time slot, Tuesday and Thursday from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. However, next week, we're going to add a Wednesday show, and the Wednesday show is pretty much top to bottom a PGA Tour preview show uh, for the the reboot of the season. We're gonna let you know what you forgot, what has happened already uh, on the season. Where we are in the official world golf rankings and how, why this is important, how those ranking rankings can uh, really affect the way fields look and uh, affect players moving forward. Uh, certain tournaments, you know, you've got to be in the top seventy, top fifty, etc., by a certain date. These are important points, and maybe Bob, even more importantly, when we restart this, and in a similar. I guess in a similar lane to what we're talking about here with uh, WGC points, is it's the top 125. The last regular season event of the year will be the Wyndham Championship, which is the week following the PGA Championship, which is the second week of August. If you're a European tour player, Bob, and you play both sides of the pond, and your plan is to not get here until the WGC FedEx at the end of July and you're on the outside looking in, or you are close to missing the 125, um, you might uh, miss the playoffs for no other reason than you just weren't willing to sacrifice coming over here and kind of sticking your flag in the ground for the rest of the year so you could play the U.S. Tour.
2: Yeah, it's not an easy decision for those guys either when you think about it. They've got ties back to their Tour, and they've got big tournaments over there that they want to play in, rightfully so. That's, that's understandable. Uh, and it's not just the European Tour players, you know, who are outside the bubble uh, of this top 125. Now, nobody's going to lose their status. That's the one good thing. Which, what, what status you have this year won't be affected by whether you make it into the FedEx Cup playoffs or not for next year. But, I mean, Brooks Kepka's not in. Sergio Garcia's not in. Uh, Henrik Stenson's not in. Zach Johnson's not in. They're all outside the top 125 at this point. So, you know, you're talking about just being able to play in the playoffs. Now, obviously, if you're in the States, you're going to get a few more starts, and you're probably going to... Um, have a chance to earn your way in but uh, but there's a lot there's gonna be a lot of interesting things uh, happen when we get down you know towards August and uh, and and we're looking at those deadlines
1: yeah I'm looking at the top 125 right now now and Ian Poulter calls Orlando home so I would expect Ian Poulter to uh, probably be playing golf uh when we click uh quickly resume here. But to your point, Sergio Garcia, from my understanding, Bob, they've been spending a lot of time in Spain. Will he come over in time? He's on the outside looking in. Uh Brooks Kepka, obviously American. He'll be ready to go right out of the gate. So Kepka's gonna have to light his season on fire, but at least he'll be in the right country ready to go when it starts. Francesco Molinari 169th right now for the Azuri on the FedEx Cup points list. So, I mean, this is a much bigger story than, Hey, I'm just not ready to come over and start my season. Next Wednesday, we will dive into all of this and how it affects what's coming up on uh, this year's PGA Tour. On the other side, PGA Tour, considering a six tournament feeder tour, U.S. base, to, I guess, plug a hole in the absence of the cancellation of uh, certain mini tours, feeder tours. If you're a member at PGA Tour China, Canada, Latino America, where are you playing? How do you get to the Corn Ferry Tour? How do you get upward mobility in the world of golf? Right now, there's not a lot of answers, just more questions. Maybe this feeder tour is something that can plug that hole. We're going to get into the next. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by TaylorMade and the all-new SIM and SIM Max drivers. Shape in motion. We reshape the drivers so you can reshape your game. Visit taylormadegolf.ca to order yours today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sakino and Bob Weeks.
1: Welcome to a weekday edition of GTC. You know, it's interesting, Bob. I was thinking how kind of the golf world in a way you know, mimics the real world and how COVID-19 and coronavirus is affecting the golf world. It's kind of like a mirror image because the top 1% of the world, it, it, they never get affected. You know, the top 1% billionaires, they're still billionaires. And if you look at it from a PGA Tour perspective as well, you know, your top 50 players in the world, your Rory McElroys, your Dustin Johnsons, your Brooks Kepka, you know, yeah, are they losing time in their legacy? Are they losing potentially the ability to add to their legacy? Okay, well, they're going to miss a Open championship this year. But with the exception of that, it looks like they're going to get to play three majors. They're going to get to play a playoffs. Ryder Cup, we'll get to that later in the show. But if you look at the rest of golf, and I think people forget about PGA Tour Latino America, PGA Tour China, McKenzie Tour, Corn Ferry Tour, players that need to play to make a living. They need to work just like you and I need to work to pay bills, pay mortgages, etc. They are no different. And uh, you know, last week when they canceled PGA Tour uh, Canada for the year, uh, really due to a lot of issues, but really not being able to control the border being a huge one, a big blow to a lot of people. And then this week, the story breaks. That the PGA Tour uh, went out to its members in these international tours, as previously mentioned, and asked them about their potential interest in 54-hole tournaments in a new uh, feeder tour uh, for 2020, whether it would ever go beyond 2020, who knows. Does it, To me, it doesn't sound like that. But we're talking about potentially August to October, six golf tournaments, 54 holes in total, 36-hole cut, hoping to have a $100,000 purse for each event, and then some upward mobility through these six events. Uh, No feedback yet from the players as far as I can tell. What were your first thoughts, Bob, when you heard this?
2: Well, obviously those guys who play PGA Tour Canada, McKenzie Tour, Latino America, the China Series, all those uh, circuits, you know, they, they don't have any place to play. And so this is a sort of a, a, a handout to them, I guess. Not a handout, but a, a, a way for them to get some some kind of competitive experience. It's going to be tough for the Canadian guys who are in Canada. Um, obviously, first of all, you're crossing a border, so you're gonna if you're going to go, you're going to probably have to stay for the whole time, which means expenses. You're going to have to stay somewhere. You're going to have to eat. You're going to have to... Uh, uh, do a lot of things and and these are a hundred thousand dollar purses aren't big it's it's like the Canadian tour I guess so hopefully you have some kind of backing but um I, I still think there's a lot of questions for the guys I, I think most of them will play anyone who gets an opportunity to play in a tournament whether it's a, a tour like this or one of the mini tours that we've seen going around in Florida or Arizona most of the guys will jump at the chance for some kind of competitive experience because basically the places where they want to play uh don't have any openings right now they're all shut down for for the most part
1: yeah, and I think something like this to me makes a lot more sense if it stays kind of locally maybe in one area, to your point, like a mini tour, right? Like if they were to do something like this, is it possible to do them all in Florida, for example, where maybe there there's a little bit more... Uh, uh, more of the state open at the moment than most places. Maybe from an expense standpoint, they don't have to move around as much. They can stay in one location and potentially play six events, et cetera. You know, we keep hearing the name uh, TPC Sawgrass thrown in in the mix for potential replacements for a lot of things. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, we heard of it as a, a potential back. Uh, backup plan for what happened in John Deere. It didn't happen for John Deere. We'll get to that in a bit. Where It's already still on the map for potential if the PGA Championship uh, were to need to move out of California. So to me, staying around the Jacksonville area is kind of a no-brainer for something like this. We may have lost Bob. Okay, Bob is. That's it. Home studio. I'm back now. Oh, there he is. There we go. There he
2: is. (laughs) Sorry.
1: Uh, No worries. Jacksonville to me, Bob. No, no brainer for something like this.
2: Well, it is if you live on the east side. If you're a guy who lives in Vancouver, it's a long drive. (laughs) But, uh, but maybe uh, you know, maybe it's something you'd be willing to do if you're going to place If you say you get down there, you drive down there, or you. Somehow make it down there and then come back, but you could do it there. You could do it in Arizona. Uh, both those places are going to be hot at that time of year. So maybe there's a, maybe there's a middle ground uh, where you can find somewhere to go. But there's um, at least they are thinking about those young players, for the most part, young players who are develop developing their game, and good for the PGA cool. Tour for for putting something out there.
1: Yeah, Bob, you were uh, cutting it out on me there. But uh, before we put a bow on this and wrap this one up, um, earlier this week we were talking a little bit about Vijay Singh, talking about feeder tours and restarts, and he was taking some heat. In fact, he took a lot of heat because his name was in the field for the Corn Fairy event uh, at TPC Sawgrass and uh, was taking a lot of heat from guys saying, listen, you're a World Golf Hall of Famer, multimillionaire, you shouldn't be. Uh, taken up a spot in a Corn Ferry event. I flip-flopped on this one because, to your point, originally when we talked about it, uh, Vijay Singh technically isn't doing anything wrong. Uh, he qualifies for this tour. He has a right to play the tour. Um, the, the, so he was going to exercise his right. Since that conversation, he has chosen not to play in that Corn Ferry event. I wonder, Bob, did this just come down to you know, there's technically it's right, but just because you can do it, should you do it?
2: I uh, I think that's probably probably wise. I think he probably VJ probably got some counseling saying, look, you don't really need to play this tournament. Um, and I think maybe he didn't realize how much pressure there was going to be on the field there. I mean, there's a lot of PGA Tour players. Playing that event because they can't get into Colonial because Colonial has such a deep strength of field. So, um, you know, they're exercising their option to be able to go and and play at the Corn Ferry Tour event. So, I think finally VJ may have just said, "Look, I'm going to sit this one out." It took him a little while to uh, to get to that point. I will say that. So that's a little disturbing, but uh, but I think in the end he's made the right decision.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, sometimes you got to sit back and say, just because technically I can do something or. Uh, I have the ability to do something. It doesn't mean it's the right decision and, and you should be doing it. Okay, on the other side, earlier this week, Tony Jacklin, Golf Week uh, interview, uh, suggested Sergio Garcia was the golf's greatest underachiever, suggesting that Sergio basically um, you know, should should have done a lot more in the game of golf in terms of his talent to his ceiling. Uh, and where he is currently landed now in his, what, late 30s. Uh, We asked the Twitter universe if you agreed with Tony Jacklin. uh, 38% of you said it was Sergio. There was other names, but most of you agree. Sergio Garcia, golf's greatest underachiever. On the other side, Bob, myself, master producer himself, Adam Scully. We're going to welcome Adam in. We're going to break down who we think golf's greatest underachiever is and, and why? What, what was the formula you used to get to this? Because for me, it was very simple. How good, the, how good could this player, what could he have been or she have been? What was their ceiling in, in a historical perspective? And where did they end up? And for me, when I asked that question, uh, one name became very clear. We're going to get those names from the three of us next. This, a weekday edition of GTC.
0: This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit WeatherTech.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. And welcome back to Golf
1: Talk Canada. Zakino Weeks, breaking it down for you on our first ever weekday edition of GTC. Now, Tuesdays and Thursdays, noon to TPM on TSN 1050. Of course, Saturday mornings, 8 to 10 a.m. And welcoming in now, master producer himself, Mr. Adam Scully, who was on social media Bench pressing a tree or something. What was that exercise you were doing, Adam? It looked like you were levitating. It looked almost to me like, and of course, these are bomb building exercises about if you want to hit bombs like Phil Mickelson, these are the exercises you want to do, but it almost looked to me like you were doing like a David Copperfield kind of levitation thing
3: first of all, thank Was it wasn't? I wasn't quite bench pressing a tree. I don't know if that's humanly possible. I was actually doing a pull up off of rain, and a couple weeks ago.
1: Oh, we lost Adam there, Well, We're having a little technical difficulties today. Okay, we'll get back to Scully. Maybe we can reconnect with Adam. Uh, Bob, let's you and I jump into this. Um, we have okay. the conversation. You want to about talk about the, bench pressing? No, no. <laughs> Not you and I, my friend. That's that. that ain't happening. Okay.
2: okay.
1: Uh, breaking it down, Golf's, You know, this is you know, in a way, it's 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 such a backhanded compliment in, in a way. It, it very similar, similarly, like kind of reminds me of when you hear, "Oh, best player in the world without a major," right? It kind of almost falls in that same lane. So we had the conversation, Sergio Garcia. Um, obviously was the, the, the one that Tony Jacklin popped out on. Our Twitter universe agreed. Uh, from your end, who is it and, and how did you get there? Because for me, my criteria, like I said, previous to going to break, is where should of this person's career been? From a historical perspective, where should they have landed and where did they end up? Uh, did you use a similar formula and who's your guy?
2: You know, I decided to look at two aspects of it. One is kind of a, over the course of a career. So that brings in all sorts of names that you can you can come up with. And then the other one I thought of was who right now playing actively is kind of underperforming, which means that they probably could turn it around very quickly. But you, at this point of where they are in their career, I might have expected a little bit more, certainly in the win category. One of those names that came out for me in that was Tony Finau. And I thought, Here's a guy who's got all the tools, hits it a mile, uh, just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. It's very personal, but I thought he would have won but more by now and I and I kind of mm-hmm. confused why that hasn't happened. But I mean, I think that everyone in the in the world is confused by everyone who's played golf is confused by the game of golf. On the on the other scale, on the career scale of who's some guy who's who you thought, "Wow, why has this person not managed or did not manage to win more?" And the names that came up to me were Colin Montgomery and John Daly. And to me, John Daly is the guy who had so much talent and yet, but you know, he did win two majors. And so it's, it's hard to say a guy who's won two major championships is underperformed, but I would have expected that he could have done a lot more with that game that he had.
1: And I don't disagree with any of those, Bob. I think you're bang on. From the Tony Finau standpoint, the good news for Tony is he still, like to your point, has time on his side. And when you look at Tony's performance in big events like majors and how he plays in real pressure situations, it even becomes more mind boggling that he doesn't have just more basic victories on the PGA Tour. Um, but to get to the you know the question at hand, who is golf's greatest underachiever? Uh, making an argument for John Daly and Colin Montgomery, uh, you, they got to be nearer at the top of everybody's list. Yeah, John Daly had the two majors, you're right, but all that proves is when Daly put his demons aside and got his acting gear for one week uh, every five or six years, the guy would win a major, which means the ceiling was a lot higher for him. And from a Monty standpoint, seven orders of merit for Europe uh, Ryder Cup star for Europe, never wins on U.S. soil. Could you imagine going back and talking to Colin Montgomery, uh, you know, it, you know, year two or three of his run as Europe's best player and saying to him, you're never going to win on U.S. soil, what what the reaction you would have got from him would have been? <laughs>
2: it's, it's amazing. And, you know, I was just thinking about that because obviously uh, not next week, but we were coming up on when the U.S. Open would have been. And it would have been back at Winged Foot, of course, which is, the, is everyone remembers Phil Mickelson missing an opportunity to win that U.S. Open. But you forget that Colin Montgomery may have had an even better chance to win that tournament, certainly when Phil got out of the way. It helped a lot. But it's it's uh it's amazing how close he came so many times to winning big events and winning in the U.S. and just was never able to do it. Now, I don't think, as you say, I don't think he's really... Uh, too worried about that he 's got lots of dough he 's got seven money titles he 's won tons of stuff all over the rest of the world but um but yeah there's there's some mystery about why he was never able to do it on american soil
1: you know two thousand and six is that u s open at wingfoot that that we 're referring to, and Colin Montgomery at the time Bob. May have been the best iron player in the world and he couldn't hit, couldn't hit the 18th green at wing foot from the middle of the fairway on the 72nd hole to win a major. Uh, the best iron player in the world pressure changes everything speaking of pressure changing everything you know scully we get you know we we give him the t bob we give him the spotlight to talk <laughs> about bench pressing a tree and then he was going to tell us who he thinks is the golf's greatest underachiever and, and you know, technical issues and he mails it in and disappears adam are you with us now
3: Hello. Yes, I haven't used a home phone since about 2008, but I am with you <laughs> now. <Yes. laughs>
2: did you? Did you? Do you know how to work the dial? Did you no. know how to work the <laughs> dial thing? I you know the
3: whole dial thing. Yeah. This is new. I, I apologize for the technical error, boys, but I am back. Um, yeah. I, I wasn't actually bench pressing my phone either, so I can confirm right. I, I am back and uh, on the line. And I, you know, you guys were talking about Colin Montgomery there, and obviously he had quite quite a career on European soil. And then you talk about his Ryder Cup career. He was just excellent. Six oh and 2 all time in Ryder Cup singles. Five runner-up finishes in majors, including the one at Wingfoot. Uh, another name that really stuck out to me in more modern day now is how about Ricky Fowler? You know, five PGA Tour wins, obviously two Euro- European Tour victories as well, top five in all five, in, in all the majors in 2014. But could he be, he be close? He's made the cut in 14 straight majors, including five top ten finishes. So maybe once we return, Ricky Fowler could be on the brink of something special.
1: You know, he finished second in our Twitter universe, just two percentage points behind Sergio Garcia. Uh, and Again, we're talking, though, about when we talk about Sergio, we talk about Ricky, not in the same vein as Tony Finau, because Tony you know, is, is much younger uh, than Sergio, But Ricky still has some time. You know, Ricky, he's not a kid. Uh, He doesn't have his entire career ahead of him. But he still has a great deal of his prime time in front of him. And he can change the narrative, Ricky Fowler. You know, he is a players champion. I think what he did that week at TPC Sawgrass, that was the week that the, you know, the blind poll came out uh, suggesting that, uh, he was the most overrated player on tour and kind of has never really won anything and doesn't deserve the hype he gets. And then he goes out and basically, you know, rips the back nine apart at TPC Sawgrass on, on the Sunday and, and, and ends up winning a player's championship when he was in golf spotlight. So. Maybe he changes the narrative. Who, who knows? Guys, for me, this is going to be controversial and hit us up on uh, Twitter at golf talk Canada. Let us know what you think. Are we onside, offside? Did we miss somebody? A lot of names being thrown around. Don't forget Fred Couples. Uh, one major, Fred Couples. That's mind boggling that uh, he would have one major. Davis Love the third, one major, mind boggling. But for me, when I think, and this could have this could have easily been Phil Mickelson, guys. This could, this could have been Phil Mickelson if we go back to two thousand and two, two thousand and three, and we're having this conversation. Phil Mickelson's name might be the first out of everybody's mouth if we're talking about an active player who is golf's greatest underachiever. But from a historical perspective, Greg Norman leaped out at me, and it is, and his numbers are mind boggling. Uh, they're very good. He won 20 times on the PGA Tour. He won two Open Championships. He won 89 times, guys. 89 times around the world uh, on on various tours, including the European Tour. Um, and his career started back in the mid-'70s. He had a long, long, very uh, uh, special career. But, but for me, using my criteria is where should have this player been? I really believe that Greg Norman had the ability and the talent to be a generational player. I think Greg Norman had the a talent and ability to be called maybe one of the greatest players in the history of the game, top 10 top 15, kind of where Phil finds himself now, maybe just on the outside of the top 10, on the inside of the top 15, uh, all-time players, uh, greatest players of all time. When we look at at, at at even older generations of players and add them to this to the list, like names like Sarazen, for instance, and, and add them to the list. Norman was that good. In 1986, he had the Saturday Slam. He had the 54-hole lead in every single major in one year. He played in the final group in every major that year. He walked away with one of them, the Open Championship. Um, He has 30 top 10s in majors. Converted two of them. 30 top 10s in majors. He spent over 300 weeks at number one in the world. Greg Norman was almost Tiger-esque in the official World Golf Rankings. Two majors for Norman. When I look at a guy who just scratched the surface on what he could have actually achieved, I mean, Greg Norman jumps out at me.
2: It's it's amazing to to think of how good he was and what a game he had. And, you know, I think if you look at his worldwide wins, it's up, you know, 75, 80, something like that. But uh, but you're right, in, in those big events, man, he just seemed to have either – he was either snake bit, getting beaten by people, you know, holding shots on him like uh, like Bob Tway, or or he did it himself, like he did at the Masters. So um, it's it, over a long career. When you put yourself that many times in contention, you hope you come away with more than two. But listen, um, yeah, he, we may consider him sort of an underachiever, but it's it's with a it's at a certain level where what he did achieve was pretty amazing too.
3: And, you know what? And, and speaking of Norman, I, how about this for a modern day, Greg Norman, if his career sort of keeps the same way it is, how about Dustin Johnson? I mean, yeah. 20 PGA Tour victories, obviously lifetime membership, only the one major, nine career top fives in the majors. We've seen what what's happened to him in the past, Bunker, Gate, Pebble Beach, uh, Chambers Bay, when he had the, the putt to win on the 18th hole and three putted. He's ter- he turns 36 in three weeks. He's not exactly young anymore, guys.
1: No, no, I agree. I, I agree. We're getting there. And that's a name that for some reason, uh, seems to find its way out of the conversation that we're currently having, which you think, to your point, Adam, he should be finding his way into that conversation. And if we're three years down the road from not, from now, and he's still sitting on one major, I believe his name will currently be in that conversation. Before we wrap it up guys here and go to break, uh, Bob is, is Greg Norman, when you consider, he played the majority of his career with a ballad golf ball and persimmon driver. Is, is he potentially the greatest all-around driver of the golf ball in the history of the game?
2: He's certainly right up there if he's not at the top of the list. I mean, that guy had distance when, you know, before distance was a big thing and, uh, and <laughs> before everybody was long and, uh, and his iron game was, was spectacular. So, I mean, he had a lot of tools in that bat. He was really a five tool player. That that guy could, when he was on his best, man, it was fun to watch him hit the golf ball.
1: He certainly was. And I just and I remember him marching the fairways at Glen Abbey as a kid and getting to watch that with that big, strong Greg Norman hat and the neon shark. I mean, he was the man, uh, and it was fun to watch. On the other side, do some Golf Talk Canada housekeeping and get you set up for Hour 2 of GTC as we take a closer look at the Charles Schwab Challenge, which is coming up in seven days. PGA
0: Tour season reboot this is GTC. This segment of GTC presented by smartgolfdeals.com was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit floor liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit weathertech.ca. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. Ready to trade the snow shovel for a 7-iron? Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to plan your golf vacation getaway today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sakino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada?
1: Hour 1 of GTC is brought to you by Cedarbrae Golf Club winning championship, award-winning championship golf in the scenic Rouge Valley, just minutes from downtown Toronto. Cedarbrae Golf Club offering 50% off initiations and long-term finance options right until June 20th. They are extending that springtime promotion to June 20th. there's never been a better time to join Cedarbrae Golf Club, visit Cedarbraygolf.com for more information. Now, Adam, I need to chat with you a little bit here because uh, for several weeks, you have been uh, sending me pictures of you at Bayview Golf Club hitting ridiculously long drives with your new SIM product from our friends at TaylorMade. Some of the numbers that you have sent me like, are obscene, and I'm pretty sure there's people listening to us right now or our, our regular listenership that listens Saturday morning. They're going, there's no way that these numbers are real. Let me tell you something, I've seen the numbers with my own eyes, and these numbers are real. Uh, some of them, sure, you've got the right uh, wind behind you, etc. but
3: you're hitting it 380, 360, you even got one to 400. Is this true? Can confirm this is true and i must say it's been going straight as well which is the added bonus uh i I always say sometimes i hit it on the toe or on the heel and i tell my buddies hey that was a twist face miss. twist face saved me there so i'm loving the sim i'm loving the sim driver i love the sound it makes i'm not sure about you mark but i love the the pure sound it makes as well uh my game is really tightened up as a result of the sim driver and and as a result as well i'm seeing some lower scores well, I've got
1: some... Uh, yeah, I saw that. Nice little tidy 73 the other day out of you at Bayview. Very well done. That handicap's going to be uh, crashing to earth very soon. Uh, oh, yeah. Skulls, what are you at right now? What's the factor off the top of your head, uh, you know? It's a 4.9, I believe. Ooh, Ooh. Oh, geez, okay, believe. here we go. Coming down. Um, yeah. Okay, so you know me. I'm in love. I've always been in love with my M3 driver, and that yep. was the first time... TaylorMade introduced the TwistFace technology right into mm-hmm. their product, and I fell in love with it. And last year, uh, I couldn't get it out of the bag. I got mm-hmm. the M5 fairway product in the bag. Love the M5 fairway product. And by the way, I didn't dislike the M5 driver. I just couldn't get the M3 out of the bag because. I couldn't see any difference in performance for me between M5 and M3. And this is why when I tell you something on the air, you should believe it and, and say to yourself, he's not just saying that because Taylor TaylorMade's a sponsor. I'm telling you straight up, Adam's numbers are real, and I'm telling you when a product's real, because I'm telling you right now, I couldn't get my M5 driver into the bag last year. It could not replace my M3. I have not gotten longer, as you know, Adam. I've gotten mm-hmm. shorter over the years. That's more a physical thing. But I've gotten a lot straighter, better overall, overall driver of the golf ball. And I really sure. think that's because of my M3 in the twist phase. Now, I started the year off with the Sim Max and hit it kind of as good as my M3. Liked it. Felt good. Didn't really get any distance, nor did I expect to get uh, any more distance. Because, mm-hmm. again, I haven't really gotten longer. Well... Yesterday, I took out a SIM, not a Max, Ooh. just a basic SIM. And I took the shaft out of my M3, which is an Aldelo Rogue 110. And I put it into my SIM driver, which is dialed down to seven degrees loft with the weight <laughs> and the toe. And for the first time since 2011, I am not only straighter. I believe I'm 10 yards longer. That's scary. I hit one 290 into the wind uh, the other night at a par 5 where plays a little uphill at the hunt, back up to the fifth hole, and normally uh, back uphill into the wind there. I'm hitting, if I kill a drive, I've got like a 5-iron in my hand, a 4-iron in my hand. And last night, I had a 7-iron in my hand. Oof. Oof. So I am very excited to get that product out with you on Monday when we yeah. play golf with our friends at TaylorMade. And I wanted to tell you about it because you've heard me complain about my putting over the years. You've also heard me complain that I keep getting shorter. I think uh, I think I found a product that's going to get me longer.
3: There you go. I, I'm pre- you know, Are I'm the pretty others- excited. Well, oh, Sorry, Skulls. No, yeah, you am excited say, I, to see I, this. I'm excited to see us. I'm sure we'll get into this more in an hour or two. Yeah,
1: yeah, we'll talk a little bit more. We'll, uh, I'll bring it up to Bob. Bob, Bob's gotta, Bob's gotta hear about this. On the other side, though, very excited. Mike Toth, uh, Canadian, uh, a native of Ontario, uh, has had a very successful career working with different organizations, including Golf Canada over the years. Uh, but for the last nine years has been the tournament director at Colonial. Now the Charles Schwab Challenge, it reboots next Thursday to kick off the new PGA Tour season. We had a chance to sit down with Mike and get into the nitty-gritty, the guts of what it means to bring the PGA Tour back. And really, they are golf's guinea pig next week. A lot of pressure, but also a lot of excitement. We'll speak to Mike next. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by PlayGolf Myrtle Beach. Ready to trade the snow shovel for a 7-iron? Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to plan your golf vacation getaway today. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. Stay tuned for 60 more minutes of GTC. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Woodington Lake Golf Club, proud home of the Mackenzie Tour PGA Tour Canada's Ontario Open. For membership information or to book tee times and special events, visit WoodingtonLake.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Well, the PGA Tour returns to
1: play June 11th, the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial. The sporting world really anticipating the return of the PGA Tour. Not just golf enthusiasts because real live sports that matters comes back. We're just about a week away and there's a Canadian element to the return of the PGA Tour. Ontario's own Mike Toth. Mike is the... Executive Director, Tournament Director of the Charles Schwab Challenge. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time to join. Bob
4: and I, I'm
1: assuming the
4: anticipation right now is killing you. Yeah, this is not your – thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Yeah, this is not what I would say is your normal, what we call advanced week. You know, typically we're inspecting structures and finalizing draw parties and – you know, anticipating you know the last few names to round out your field this year. It's it's a lot of uh, PPE discussion, final protocols for parking and and sanitization and disinfecting of the property. So it's a little different, yeah. And I think we're ready. You know, I think our goal has always been to make sure that the environment is safe and sound for players, and so that's going to take us all the way up until Thursday. And, um, you know, what's really interesting is guys are, are going to start arriving on Saturday and Sunday and normally they don't arrive till Monday, Tuesday. But it, it's a little different week. Yeah, for sure. All
2: right. Before we get too deep into this, we've got to check. We've got to figure out this, uh, your lineage here. Uh, <laughs> you were born in Georgetown. Sure. I know your dad was a longtime tailor-made rep, Jack. Uh, tell us how you got from from Ontario down there to be the tournament director.
4: So I was born in Brampton went to elementary school in Limehouse and then high school in Acton, Ontario. So we grew up in a little small town called Limehouse and I played golf at North Halton golf and country club every day of of my junior golf career. And I was really, I mean, I was okay. I was never really great. And all my buddies were were getting some scholarships and going to university and my high school grades were awful. And so I wrote to five hundred. Small schools in the United States, NAIA Division Two, and landed in Rome, Georgia, and played college golf at Shorter College in Rome, Georgia. We played an old school tree line golf course. There were bent grass greens, which is very, very rare in in uh, in the South. And then interned for the American Junior Golf Association, and then uh, came back to to Canada. Worked for Golf Canada under Jim frazier and Stephen Ross at the time, and. You know i hope i put my stamp on amateur championships i was there from 99 to 2002 and we ran the canadian amateur at Camloops and bundale and edmonston and then and then credit valley and then we started junior links you know future links junior series which was a lot of fun and then uh moved to singapore holly my wife's american she was the assistant women's golf coach at arizona for a few years she moved. We got married in 2002. She moved up. We bought a condo in Burlington off of Brant Street, and, and uh, it was November. She's like, it's getting cold. And, <laughs> and a guy that was at the Whistler Golf Club named Patrick Bowers was working for IMG in Singapore and called me up and said, hey, Tothi, we're looking to expand our staff. Would you come? And Holly's like, sign that now. Let's go. So we spent a number of years in Asia, traveling around Asia. And then, you know, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I guess it was probably 2005, and and Lynn Hickey, the athletic director at UTSA, called Holly and said, hey, Holly, we'll want you to start our, our program at UTSA. And I think it was the right time for us to come back to, to North America. So we moved back to San Antonio, and I just dabbled in stuff here and there. And Peter Rippa was the tournament director here at Colonial at the time in two thousand. Eight and, and said, "Hey, why won't you come interview? We're looking for a director of sales." And I've been with the club since 2008. And yeah, my dad—you uh, know—he's the sweetest guy in the world. Uh, Jack, my dad—you know—started with Spalding Brothers, and then worked his way through um, Roblin Sporting Goods. I mean, my dad sort of had the golden touch. He 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 hit it when 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 tree-torn tennis shoes were big. When <laughs> when the first spikeless golf shoe came out when the golden ram golf ball hit and then he just sort of propelled it into tailor and when TaylorMade first came to canada he, he had a big bite of that apple so he he has you know been um a very big supporter of, of what i've done he's a, a you know i i my dad has just been a, a nice soundboard for me i think he's really proud of what we're doing and starting golf up again and his last round of golf, quite frankly. He's, he's 84. He lives in Rockwood. He and I played our last round of golf together back in 2009 here at Colonial. So that's, that was special. But um, I appreciate uh, you saying some kind words about Dad. He'll He'll love that. Thank, thank you.
1: I I actually remember uh, your father from one of my first positions in the golf industry uh, at dynamic golf, Bob, you remember dynamic golf as well. And uh, I was just a young sales kid on the floor, 15 years old. This would have been 1990, 1991. But uh, Mike, it's a great segue because you talked about a special round with your father at colonial. There's only a handful of golf courses really on the PGA tour that have kind of the history, the lineage, to someone like a Ben Hogan, I remember the feeling I got when I visited your club for the first time back in 2016 where, I, you know, you got to to see Hogan's office the way the way it was the day he left it. Um, how important is it to you or how great a challenge is it to you to kind of, in, in a way, walk the tightrope to, to bring the championship into 2020 while at the same time respecting everything that Hogan stood for and what the club
4: stands for? It's razor's edge. That's for sure. You know, we're, we're relishing in the opportunity to be the first PJ tour event back, but at the same time, you know, we've worked really, really close with the tour to make sure it's done right. And, and, you know, when we first learned in April guys that we were going to move to June, I think we we're really excited about the opportunity. And then, it, and then, you know, the natural progression of what was going on around us with COVID-19 we realized quickly that you know our corporate hospitality program wouldn't be what it looks like, and and our and our upgraded ticket packages wouldn't be what it looks like. Our pro-ams, they were sort of on lifeline all the way up till sort of a couple three weeks ago, and then our volunteer force. So we you know we drummed it back to what it needed to be, and that's focused on players. And you know John Drago is the tournament director at the Byron Nelson um, in Dallas, which is about forty five minutes away, and. He, he's been there a long time, longer than I've been here. And, he, and he's always said to me, you know, the Salesmanship Club of Dallas, They anytime they come to a crossroads, they go, is this what Byron would want us to do? And so I think there's a part of us that is like, would would Mr. Hogan, would Ben Hogan be proud of what we're doing? And, and I think he would. And, and, and I think Marvin Leonard, who founded the club back in the 30s, I think he'd be really excited to be first back. I mean, I think if you look at the history of the club, We're the only only club in the world to, to host a regular scheduled tour event. We're the only club in the world to host a regular scheduled tour event that's hosted a men's open, a women's open, and we hosted the 1975 Players' Championship. There's no other golf course in the world that's done that. So we're rising to the occasion. We're not taking it lightly. Do I wish that we could celebrate it with all 1,600 fan, or 1,600 volunteers and our 120,000 fans and our great partners here in Fort Worth? Darn right. But at the same time, I think people understand that this is just a different year. It, it will be historic. We're rising to the occasion like we did in 2003 when Annika played. Her flag is uh, right over there behind me. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I just think that um, – I think guys are, are – are looking to get back, and and you know some of the guys that are traveling internationally in are are already in the states and quarantining, so we're kind of monitoring that. But we're relishing in the opportunity. We want to be the first event back. We are the first event back, and we're going to do it right. And um, that is, and what that really means is conference call on a daily basis with the tour. That means our testing protocols in place here in the city for players, for people inside the bubble, caddies. And then we're just limiting touch points, we're social distancing, and uh, everybody's got at least five bottles of hand sanitizer in their pocket. So um, I'm oversimplifying to a certain degree, trying to shed a little bit of light on, on the situation. But it, it is historic, we're relishing in it, but we understand the, the significance of getting golf back and sport back.
2: Mike, what's, what's your biggest uh, concern and, and what are you most proud of that's happened or is going to happen.
4: I think what I'm most proud of it is the collaboration with our, with our members, our tournament staff, the PGA Tour, and, and, and Charles Schwab. I mean, Derek Bemba, who we deal with, at Charles Schwab's been great. And he's like, we want to do this, don't we? I'm like, yeah, we want to do this. And, and he's like, we can't have fans, can we? I'm like, probably not. And so he's been with us every step of the way. You know, they're in the catbird seat. They're the first event back. Their name is on the golf tournament, first event back. So that that's really, really exciting. So I, I'm really proud of the collaboration. And the PGA Tour has been great. You know, John Norris and TBA, Andy Pazzer, Tyler Dennis, and, and Jay Monahan have, have given us full support to do what we need to do here. And their resources um, have really been appreciated. I think the 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 biggest challenge or and I'm going to categorize it in the unknown I'm not sure I mean I know we've uncovered every stone because it feels like we have but there's just an element of uncertainty out there that we have prepared for that sort of scares me a little bit because now you're into health and safety heaven forbid if a player should come down with it or I come down with it or or a volunteer or somebody in the bubble so Bob I think that's the one thing that I'm worried about, but, you know, it's like we've got a million safety protocols in place. We're doing all the things we need to be doing. But in the back of my mind, there's always this what if. And it's the what if scenario that could pop up that could really be detrimental to the golf event. So, in other words, you know, guys in my role, men and women in my role, like, okay, let's get through Wednesday. That's pro-am day. Then we hand the keys to the tour, and we're we're sort of done from that perspective we got to get all the way through Sunday, everybody be safe and sound, and and then all the guys head to Hilton Head, and and I'll feel better.
1: Mike, when the governor uh, spoke uh, and suggested that there wouldn't be the uh, limitations for occupancy in one location uh, still in place by the time the tournament rolled around, how serious or did the discussions ever get to a level of seriousness where you looked at yourselves, the people involved, the tour, and said – Maybe we can have this with uh with patrons, with uh spectators, or was that just never in the cards even after uh the rules so to speak changed?
4: So we've been in touch with Governor Abbott's office and Betsy Price is our mayor here in Fort Worth. And when when the memo came out sort of May twenty twenty-two, about you know, twenty-five percent that outdoor sporting events in the state of Texas could have up to twenty-five percent of the fans. I think we all kind of looked around the table really quick and we all said, No way, no no chance, no how. And, and just because my list of my checklist for protocols is is a, a million miles long, right? I can't imagine doing that with twenty five percent spectators or any spectators. So then you're like, okay, well let's entertain that a little bit. It's then who? Who is that? Is that members? Is it the highest end ticket buyer? Is it the guy that's bought tickets for thirty years and you know consecutively? So I think the decision for us was really, really quick, and that is everybody watch it on golf channel Thursday, Friday, watch it on CBS Saturday, Sunday, and you know, just do that however you need to do that. If you're on your back patio with your buddies, if you're out playing around the golf, listen to it on, on PGA Tour radio. But I think it was a pretty quick sort of discussion for us that we're just going to table everything till 2021 and hit the reset button for 2021.
2: Perfect. It's uh it sounds like an exciting adventure. I'm sure it's been a lot of work. I'm sure it's been very fluid, but there must be some satisfaction in knowing that you've uh, kind of set the, set the benchmark for the next tournaments that'll come after you. And I know you've been in discussion with those tournaments as well, haven't you?
4: Yeah. So, so, obviously, Steve Wilmot at RBC Heritage, you know, he and I have been, been talking. We we share the plaid jacket sort of uh, banter back and forth. And then, you know, Nathan in Connecticut and, and Jason Langwell in Detroit, you know, they're dealing with some different things. And, you know, we saw a John Deere Classic um, in Illinois get canceled this week or, or late last week. And, you know, that's just... As much as the PGA Tour wants to do it, and as much as Colonial Country Club wants to do it, if you don't have local and state support, you're sort of that that kind of grinds it to a halt. But yeah, we've been we've been talking with the other three events, you know, the 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 next four events, ours, and then the three events I've mentioned. We're all no spectators, no fans, so I really don't know what the conversation has been with those events after the that grouping of four. But we've been collaborating. I think the tour has wanted to keep our events. And then Harbortown, Connecticut, and Detroit, similar as as much as we can in a lot of categories. And so it's been good collaboration. And, um, you know, we're hopeful that that the things that we put in place, that they can learn at Hilton Head. And then some of the things Hilton Head does, you know, maybe Nathan can learn in Connecticut and so on. So so that when it gets to Detroit, it's perfect, it's seamless. And uh, and the players, you know, will feel real, real comfortable about being it either one or all four of the the events in the next four weeks.
1: Mike, before we let you go, how's the golf course going to play? What's the forecast been like? What what does it look long range? Are we going to get a firm, dry colonial for the reboot to
4: the PGA Tour season? So – I'm racking my brain. I think around May, sorry, not May, around April 4th, we got the call from the PJ Tour. I said, okay, guys, we want to move. We the, the intent of that moment was to move everybody three weeks, so everybody, and, and I think you know that was before we really knew what was going on in Canada and in the city of Toronto. And so everybody, uh, let's just say everybody other than the golf superintendent was on that call, and everybody's like, yeah, let's go June. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. So we hung up the phone. And then I called Scott Ebers, our golf course superintendent. I said, Scott, how does June 8th sound for you? And he goes, for what? (laughs) (laughs) I go, well. And so he goes, any chance we go any later than that? I said, no. He goes, perfect. That is when I can have the golf course, the best it can possibly be. So it's going to be hard. It's going to be firm. The rough is thick. The greens are going to be perfect. Um, I think the golf course is going to play a little different from a visual perspective because, you know, on holes 13 to 18, we have corporate that sort of frame out the greens. That's all gone. So 17 green is perched. 18 green is perched, where you might not necessarily feel that when you you have that sort of infrastructure built around it. But the golf course is going to play hard. Uh, it's gonna play firm and if the wind blows then'm I'm, I'm saying eight nine ten under wins this golf tournament and you know the wind here in Fort Worth can blow and that's sort of the defense uh, at Colonial I mean it's not a long golf course but it is a golf course you have to be smart off the tee you got to be really you know you got to be precise when you hit it into the green so if the wind blows that's an if I'm saying minus eight nine or ten wins the golf tournament. Sounds like uh, Mr. Hogan will be smiling in heaven
1: if the course is playing like that. That is uh, right up his alley, no pun intended. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time. It's uh, a special place, your club, and a special event. I only had the opportunity to work it once, but uh, you could feel it as soon as you enter the property, and uh, I actually can't wait to get back and work that event in in the near future. Congratulations already on everything your team has been able to accomplish to to work up to this. The whole world's uh, ready. We're watching. We can't wait. So thank you for your time and have a great
0: championship. On the other side, more Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Woodington Lake Golf Club, proud home of the Mackenzie Tour PGA Tour Canada's Ontario Open. For membership information or to book tee times and special events, visit WoodingtonLake.com. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Tourism Ireland. World-class courses, spectacular locations. Whatever you're looking for in a golf holiday, Ireland has something for you. Visit GolfAwayTours.com to book your Irish golf adventure. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. That was great for Mike Toth to
1: spend that much time with us as the PGA Tour starts next week. Again, Golf Golf.Canada Radio coming at you Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next week. And, of course, Saturday, our regular time slot. And I believe we're going to reach out to Mike again and have him on next week at some point as well. Um, hopefully Thursday. Uh, or potentially Wednesday, as we are either within 24 hours of the gun going off, so to speak, or once the tournament has already started on the Thursday, uh, or even potentially our usual Saturday spot. Charles Schwab Cup, ch- excuse me, Charles Schwab Challenge kicks it off June 11th, followed by RBC Heritage, followed by Travelers Championship, and then into July, for July 2nd, the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit. That is the first four events of the PGA Tour season, and those are officially four events that will not have spectators. That is what we know, that is what we believe as of now. My first event for The PGA Tour uh, radio season is Detroit, that final fourth event. I'll be on the road doing play-by-play for that. Uh, Bob, RBC Heritage, uh, June 18th, Hilton Head. Uh, Right now, Tiger has not confirmed, announced, or suggested when he is going to play first. Uh, There are some rumors would there be a better golf course? Well, I always thought Colonial was a great golf course for Tiger, uh, which will be the first one next week. It's a ball striker's golf course. It doesn't appear that he's going to play there. But, man, Hilton Head, RBC, you play that golf course backwards from tee to green. It's it's short for modern-day standards. It often becomes who's the best iron player that week at Hilton Head. Look at the champions over the years. Can we see Tiger at RBC?
2: I'll give you one more reason why Tiger might show up at Hilton Head, because he can take his boat there, um, mm. which is an interesting... I mean, I don't know if that's a huge thing to, to sway a guy, but uh, but let's not lose sight of the fact that uh, we saw him looking pretty good at the the match a couple of weeks ago. His game is obviously in order. He doesn't have to play... Really, I mean, he's going to want to play some some golf before he gets into the major season, which is in August. So, why not why not Hilton Head? Why not get in there? And you know, really, the first really the first three tournaments are played on courses that are um, what I would call shorter shot maker style golf courses. So, as you said, as a player like like a uh, uh, a, a Tiger Woods, who's you know probably the best iron purse game player there's ever been, uh, they would certainly seem to be good and attractive places to start off the restart. Start off and yeah. restart? That's an awkward yeah, phrase.
1: Yeah. <laughs> restart, reboot, restart the start. Yeah, geographically makes a lot of sense. Obviously, his home, Jupiter, Florida. I don't know how long. I'm not a boater. I don't know how long it takes by boat to get to Hilton Head from Jupiter, but I do know it's straight up the coastline of the Atlantic. And, uh, you know, that is not exactly a boat. That's like a hotel that floats. So to have your own bed, uh, the comforts of your own home on, on water, All these things go into the mix. Certainly the golf course, the weather. I I expect another quality field at RBC Heritage. There is no reason for there not to be anything but quality fields right through until we get to the U.S. Open. Uh, it's going to be an exciting time, an exciting restart. On the other side, Bob, Adam, and I, we're going to bring you an edition of three dub winners, weird and what. And let me tell you, there was a lot to talk about this week when it comes to the good, the bad, and the ugly. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Tourism Ireland. World-class courses, spectacular locations, whatever you're looking for in a golf holiday, Ireland has something for you. Visit GolfAwayTours.com to book your Irish golf adventure. This is Golf Talk Canada, celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino and Bob Weeks. Uh,
1: speaking of the Muskoka Bay Club, they had a very successful opening on May 22nd, so congratulations to them. And now the resort opening soft as well, so you can stay and play at the Muskoka Bay Club now is summer... Has arrived coast to coast and country uh, to, in the country. The weather here has just been awesome in southern Ontario, so hopefully it continues. And we have a we all deserve a lovely summer with the way uh, we had to lock ourselves down in the spring. All right, guys, it's that time. It is three 3-Dub, winners. Weird and what? T is mine.
0: I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right, gentlemen,
1: my truth this week, and and I make it a point. This is a personal decision. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's what I do for myself personally. I make it uh important. It's an important thing for me that I try to publicly not comment or give an opinion on anything that is not golf-related because personally, I feel that the world is full of too many opinions and not enough valid opinions. And I feel that my... 30 years experience in the golf industry gives me a right to express golf opinions. I don't think people want to hear from Mark Zucchino on things that are not golf related. That's just my opinion. And that leads to my winner this week because of um, just the horrible environment and things that we have had to witness to our neighbors to the south. And I know we all have friends and family and ties to America, and it breaks my heart to see what has happened over the last couple of weeks uh, in a country that uh, that I work in often and is home to many of my friends and family. And Harold Varner III, I don't know if you gentlemen had the opportunity to read the statement from Harold Varner III, and if you haven't, if you're listening to Golf Talk Canada today and you did not read Harold Varner III's statement on what is currently happening south of the border. I suggest everybody reads it. This is a a young black athlete that was born in North Carolina that had very little growing up that made it uh to a global stage in a sport that is predominantly viewed upon as a white man's sport. This is a very valid very interesting opinion and lens on the current state of the world. Read it. He's my winner this week. Bob, did did you have a chance to to, to read that?
2: I did. I read that and I uh, watched him in a couple of interviews. Uh, very powerful, very smart young man. I'm glad that uh, a lot of the athletes um, of all sports reached out, um, make a statement. I think it's uh, it's important, even though, as you said, you know, maybe we're not the best people to be. Making those statements, but uh, but Harold Varner, if you've ever had a chance to meet him, he's also a very very funny guy. But he's a very lovely man, very wonderful human being.
1: And uh, he, I think he nailed it. And um, you know, uh, he said what he needed to say, and he said it the right way. So well done, Harold Varner. My weird this week, guys. They squashed the John Deere Classic, uh, and we can get into a million reasons why the John Deere Classic was canceled, but they were flipping around ideas on what they could do for a replacement event. How about this one for a weird, the PGA tour week five will be played at Murfield village week six, it will be played at Murfield village, (laughs) Adam, we're going back to back at the same golf course. In official PGA Tour events, of course, the second one, Adam, is the Memorial, which is hosted by Jack Nicklaus. We don't really know the name of the one that's going to happen the week before. We don't know Jack's involvement, if any, in the one the week before, uh, unless something has changed in the last few hours that I haven't miss, that I that I have somehow have missed. But uh, but this is just bizarre. I understand why they did it. They don't have to move players around. Uh, they don't have to worry about traveling and all, all the COVID issues that come with traveling. So from a logistics standpoint it's a no-brainer adam that doesn't make it any less weird
3: yeah i guess a little strange like are they are they going to play it on different tee blocks like the first time around they they play from the front tees all the time probably not i would think but this goes back to 2014 the us open when pinehurst held the us and the us men's and women's us opens in back-to-back weeks so i'm curious to see uh, how things transpire from here
1: like i almost wish they just said let's have an eight round memorial With the same field. And we're going to have an eight-round. We're going to make the cut after four rounds. And then we're going to have a four-day weekend. Like, it's almost going to feel that way. My what, guys? And speaking of COVID and corona and still unknowns, more rumors, more mumbling, more comments. The most recent one from Team America captain Steve Stricker on the Ryder Cup on how... A Ryder Cup without fans eh, isn't a Ryder Cup. If we're not allowed to have fans at Whistling Straits, what kind of Ryder Cup is this going to be? Is it worth having it? Why not just postpone the Ryder Cup? It will not be the first time in history where the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup got rejigged and pushed back a year. Bob, what do you see happening here? Would you like to see it with fans? If they can't have it with fans, do you want it?
2: I just can't see it going without fans. I mean, it, it, maybe they'll do it and, and it, you know, you can have it, but the it would be such a muted atmosphere. I mean, it's just like, I, I don't know, that that event, uh, having been to it a number of times, is just built on the fans. Sometimes they go a little too far, uh, but, but just, you know, just 12 guys playing 12 guys out on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, man, I don't know, I don't think it's going to work.
1: Uh, I'm with you a thousand percent to me. If there's any event in the world that needs a jam-packed crowd in the world of golf, it's the Ryder Cup. All right, Bob, the teaser is now yours.
2: So, So what do I do, just aim for the pond?
1: No,
0: you're not supposed to hit it into the water.
2: But you hit it into the
0: water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun. We're having fun. Look, it went further than your ball.
2: Mark and Adam, you know, there are some very humorous guys on the PGA Tour, lots of guys who have great senses of humor and can tell a great joke, and you can think of a lot of them, but the guy Mm -hmm. who has the driest, most cutting wit on the PGA Tour is Henrik Stenson, and that's why he is my winner this week, because he is starting his own podcast It's called Almost an Hour. Even the name there is (laughs) a little bit of of funny. But I just cannot wait to hear him. And if you do not know Henrik Stenson, if you've never spoken to him or had the chance to listen to him, I mean, one of my favorite lines was at the uh, uh, Chambers Bay U.S. Open when everyone was saying that the greens look like broccoli. Uh, He he piped up and said, well, they're kind of white, so I think we should start calling them cauliflower. (laughs) Just little observations like that. But I, so I can't wait to hear the, uh, the Henrik Stenson Almost An Hour podcast. What do you think, guys?
3: Yeah, I, I'm with you there, Bob. I'm actually looking up to see if it's available now to search, uh, to, to listen to later today. As you know, as you said, he's one of the most driest, uh, funny characters on, on the PGA Tour. So definitely looking forward to tuning in to hear that.
2: Uh, My weird this week is this has got to be one of the (laughs) most frustrating experiences for people who live in Nova Scotia and who are members at the Aroostook Golf Club. This straddles the U.S.-Canada border, and the parking lot for the golf club is in the United States, and the golf club itself is in Canada. And the reason this course was built as such, uh, this came in the era of prohibition, so uh, Canada didn't have a prohibition at this point, and the United, or the United States did. So guys, Americans would come, park in the lot, go across into the clubhouse, play golf, and of course be able to drink after the round, and then they would come back into the States and then be able to go home. But the <laughs> only way to get to this parking lot is to cross the border and into the states and then park and then like the other guys did before walk back into Canada well you can't do that right now because the borders are shut down even the borders that run right through the parking lot of a golf club in Nova Scotia so Mark that would be kind of like standing at the glass of the candy store looking in right Uh, uh,
1: this is that is absolutely insane Bob it is a perfect weird for three dob and can you imagine if you could cross the border but you still had the quarantine in place honey I'm going for a round of golf I'll see you in 14 days (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. Uh, my what this week is is following up a little bit on what you said, Mark, about uh, about Harold Larned of the uh, third. A number of PGA Tour pros posted on their Instagram accounts the the black picture um, for Blackout Tuesday earlier this week. Uh, notable among them: Brooks Kepka, Ricky Fowler, and Justin Thomas. And I got to tell you, the most disappointing thing I've seen in a long time was reading the comments that were posted underneath and. Uh, as Brooks Kepka said, you know it doesn't seem to matter. You know if you, if you're a star, just this is, or you're a big name, this just seems to come with the territory. People just like to take shots at you. I'm disappointed that uh, that people have to comment on other people making a stand about something that they feel strongly about. But uh, such is the world we live in.
3: Yeah, it's it's awful for sure to see. I, I read some of those as well, and just shake your head. It's uh, it's unbelievable some of the people in the world.
2: Adam, Adam, I think the T might be yours.
4: Well, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves and I got to step on one. Sections. And that's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack
3: the pin. You know, boys, I only thought it'd be appropriate for my three dub to have Phil Mickelson talking about hitting bombs. So I I thought that was only uh, appropriate. Speaking of hitting bombs, that's where I'm going with my winner this week, and that is European Tour player Sam Horsfeld. Shooting a 59 in Florida, and not just any 59. He did it on a par 73 at Streamsong Resort's Black Course. Two eagles, 10 birdies, including one on the par 5 18th to shoot 59. And speaking of bombs, top 10 on the European Tour this season in driving distance, averaging just over 327 yards. Mark, that's quite a 59. Uh, that is a big boy golf course. You know, we were down there shooting off the hosel,
1: and uh, we did episode two down there, and we shot off the hosel on red-blue, but we did have a chance to play black while we were there. I mean, it is lean on the driver. Oh You'd love it, Adam. It is mm-hmm. lean on the driver all day. Come out of your shoes as hard as you can. It, it is a lot of fun, but fi- put put it this way. Uh, 59 was never in the cards for Hempstead and I, so...
3: Well, it would have been, if you guys stopped out for 14 holes, it would have been in the cut for sure, right? <laughs> uh, my, my weird this week: PGA Tour players uh, they took part in ESPN's Pro Athlete All-Star race on Peloton. This was won by Olympic medal gold win, or, um, Olympic medal winning swimmer Matt Grievers. Rory McElroy finished fourth. Now, he's been uh, very active on Peloton throughout uh, COVID and quarantine, but he finished behind former Monday Night Football analyst Booger McFarlane, which seemed maybe a little strange that Rory McElroy finished behind Booger McFarlane. Bubba Watson finished sixth. Justin Thomas finished last. Justin Thomas, what are you doing? But on the, on the woman's side of things, Morgan Pressel finished second. Bob, I think you'd be a perfect candidate to do, uh, to represent Golf Talk Canada in the uh, in a Peloton challenge. <laughs>
2: You know, I uh, I had my first experience on a Peloton a few weeks ago and I fell in love with it and um I got to admit that I've got one. It's not a Peloton, but I've got a very similar kind of thing, a little cheaper version uh, of uh, of one <laughs> now sitting in my den and uh, I've been attacking it the last couple of mornings using the Peloton app. Hmm. So, I don't know if I'll rival Rory, but uh and I certainly won't rival Morgan Pressel, but maybe Justin Thomas and I could have a head to head.
3: I think as you do that, Mark and I'll just sit on the side and and drink Why? (laughs) Why? i think that'd be a good idea right i love it adam we can do
1: play-by-play i like
3: that exactly we can can do play-by-play of it exactly my what this week uh what a great idea by the european tour they've done this for a couple weeks now the indoor invitational this week they played at valderrama virtually of course five players all shot one under par to share the victory including sergio garcia and rafa cabrera beo All five players shared the prize money and donated to the charity of their choice. The European Tour has done some great things uh, before COVID and now during COVID as well. Mark, another great uh, gesture by them.
1: Yeah, it's cool. Just to stay out there, stay active, keep the brand alive, keep the players out there. Uh, people are wanting content, et cetera. And, you know, I had my little indoor challenge as well here, guys, at my house. Mrs. Golf Talk Canada wasn't very happy because I hosled one off the wall, got up into the medium room, uh, three jacked it for bogey, and I lost my own indoor classic. So, uh, I took out a few things along the way as well. <laughs> On the other side, we'll, uh, get you, uh, caught up and set up for what is coming from GTC over the next week or so. Also got a little off the hosel news. I got a bunch of tweets while we were on the air. People saying they were watching off the hosel this afternoon. I didn't even know it was on TV this afternoon. But uh, we'll get you set up for episode two as well and uh, put a bow on
0: GTC. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. This is Golf Talk Canada. Celebrating 10 years as Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf. Pushing the boundaries in golf footwear once again. With the all new Code Chaos. Meant to challenge the definition of what a golf shoe can be. Visit Adidas.ca. Now, here are your hosts. Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks.
1: Well, that is... uh... A very busy show, gents, for our first weekday edition of Golf Talk Canada. As the weeks roll out, we're going to try to profile some uh, public courses, resort courses, private clubs in the GTA in southern Ontario to try to... Uh, Find out how they dealt with COVID, give them an opportunity to have a voice, maybe promote some stuff they're doing as we try to give back to our local golf community. We don't really often have much time to do that on our Saturday National Golf Talk Canada's as we try to talk bigger picture and stay more national, international uh, flavor on the two hours, which we're back this Saturday from 8 to 10 and are not going anywhere, Uh will be 8 to 10 a.m. the rest of the way on Saturdays. But uh with our Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh it allows us to do some more Toronto-focused, Ontario-focused content, which is great. That's from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern on uh, TSN 1050 every Tuesday, Thursday. Next week, we add a Wednesday show uh and the Wednesday show is simply to get you ready for the reboot of the PGA Tour season we'll let, take a look at the schedule take a look at potential fields top 125 FedEx Cup world golf rankings implications of these things and get you set we'll also remind you on what has transpired to date who has won who has played well who needs to get their season actually glow, uh, going excuse me and uh some of those names will be surprising Uh, This Saturday on Golf Talk Canada Radio, we will announce the winners of the Team Canada Code Chaos Adidas footwear that, if you watch the debut of Off the Hustle, and i got to give a shout-out to all our Golf Talk Canada listeners and viewers and the support in Canada, uh, blown away. Um, You know, we ran uh, Off the Hustle yesterday on TSN at 1.30 in the afternoon. They ran a repeat today. And... Uh, I mean, everybody on the planet reached out to us. Very nice. So thank you so much for people who tweeted us and and watched the show and took it for what it was, which is just some lighthearted laugh in a time where maybe we need a lighthearted laugh, and we're glad you enjoyed it. And two of you are going to get a pair of uh, Code Chaos uh, Team Canada shoes this Saturday. Next Thursday on TSN3, so next Tuesday TSN 3 at 2 p.m. is episode 2 of Off the Hazel from Streamsong Resort in Florida. And 20 Weeks of TaylorMade is continuing as well, guys. This Saturday, we give away uh, Rory McIlroy's uh, X Spider. We're going to give away, uh, you want to roll it like Rory, you got to follow us on social media at Golf Talk Canada, Twitter, and Instagram if you want to roll it like Rory. We're going to give away that putter this week as 20 Weeks of TaylorMade continues. Adam, I know you've been pounding bombs uh, and and keep sending me these outrageous numbers. Uh, do we know, Bob, Bob, have you played golf? You've been very quiet on the golf front. Adam and I are probably playing more golf than we ever have before, and it's been quiet on the weeksy golf front. Are you playing today, tomorrow, or are you going to peg it up?
2: I have uh, nine holes. Possibly later today. Looks like it's going to go. I just may have to, if I can shift one or two things around. And I got eighteen on Sunday, and so far I have played. I have played uh, a nine, a thirteen, and an eighteen.
1: That is that. See now, Adam, you and I, Bob might be winning in the Hall of Fame category. He might be winning in the work category about being the busiest man in show business and creating content in the time where we need content. But you and I are kicking butt in the Golf Talk Canada who's played more holes contest.
3: Yeah, I, I've, I've played a number of times so far. I don't know exactly how many. Hoping to, Hoping to have some low scores again. I'm playing Saturday and Sunday. I had it three under through 11 the other night before shooting 73. So hopefully we can get out and and uh, get some low scores and uh, and we'll see you mark we'll see you next monday for sure too. yeah
1: you and i looking forward to playing uh, with you uh, adam for the first time this year that's going to be fun i'm off to Cedar Bray tomorrow to, to to visit that course for the first time i haven't played there in quite long, a long time looking forward to getting 18 holes at Cedar on uh, what should be a perfect friday thank you everyone for listening we're back saturday morning 8 to 10 a.m on the tsn radio network coast to coast remember first good decision on the golf course it always starts in the
0: closet This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Adidas Golf. Pushing the boundaries in golf footwear once again with the all-new Code Chaos, meant to challenge the definition of what a golf shoe can be. Visit adidas.ca. Thank you for listening to GTC.